Y'all, I'm so excited to introduce you to my special guest today on Nothing Fancy. I met Kimberly McLaughlin Smith on Facebook. We actually interacted virtually for about a year, and we interacted over these sort of commonalities in our spirits and our stories. We would later discover that we both worked for the same university. See, Kimberly is the diversity and inclusion specialist, and she wears that title like a tailored glove. She is kind and intentional and courageous, and y'all, I'm telling you, she is spectacular at creating a safe space to talk about tough things like vulnerability, privilege, oppression, and our universal need to belong. She is fun and she is funny and she's passionate about growth and transformation and self-awareness and boy does she just seem to talk my language. In 2007, she was named Woman of the Year by New Hanover County. She is the host of Reggae Redemption on 98.7. You can listen every Sunday from 10 to noon. She is heard across the country and she even hosts a Facebook Live afterwards just to connect with her audience and answer questions. So sit back and just enjoy as we talk about self-awareness, the masks we wear, show and tell, her love of all things reggae and the lessons that only motherhood can teach her and let me also just say because this is nothing fancy there's a few technical difficulties but just be patient it's worth it hello 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 lisa how are you how are you i'm fine how are you I'm so good. I'm so it's so good, good, to, so good to, to finally have, to finally you, have on you, you on the line. Well, I, I appreciate you and your patience because I think I'm a little late. I was on a work meeting. This Zoom lifestyle is getting... Just to have something, uh, just to have an understanding of how it all works is, is really kind of something I'm still wrapping my mind around. So thank you for your patience. And I'm sorry if I'm late. I'm sorry that I'm late. Oh, you're not late at all. You are not late at all. Stay going. Mine has been hectic, as you can see. I can tell it's been a little hectic. So, so you've been <laughs> Zooming, huh? I have. I have. I'm on a selection committee, a search committee. So we had five back-to-back interviews, and they ran long because you don't want to cut people off. You know how it is. Their success is hanging in the balance. Right. So we just kind of hung in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, hopefully this will be a good 45 minutes of just decompressing before you jump back into like real life. Well, anytime with you is that. So (laughs) yes, and I'm honored to even have been chosen to be part of this experience. I read everything that you write and I am always captivated. And so, yeah, to, to be chosen to be on the, on the broadcast. Thank you in advance for for these moments and and you're right it is a decompress and an opportunity to exhale so yes, i'm excited we, we inhale and we exhale i have to remind myself of that um almost every day because i i have tended to be a breath holder for most of yes and, i'm with you on that yeah i mean people kind of look at me funny when i say that and i talk about like holding my breath but i'm like I just sort of mean more like that shallow breathing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Learning the power of a good inhale, exhale. Well, I don't know about you, but I am also just kind of, and I love the way that you put that. 
Lisa, I am also always just kind of holding that last bit to brace myself for something. You know, I'm that woman as well. So I don't know if that's me not trusting the universe or whatever, but I always (laughs) keep a little of that breath in reserve as if it's going to somehow cushion me. I don't know. I don't know that it even works that way. I don't either, but it is. It's such a funny, like, response to just being human and to life and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, I want you to know, I, I want our audience to know, first of all, that um, you and I have sort of met and connected on social media. On Yeah, Facebook. we did. And that's yes. that's such a funny thing to me. And um, you are just so fun to follow. <laughs> back at you, back at you. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you. You are always, you always make me laugh. Ditto. And yeah. You always just there's just something about when you've posted something new that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just love her. <laughs> so we well, thank you. It's a mutual appreciation society that we have been. Because <laughs> you you I echo every single word that you just said oh God, about you. Sweet. So I want you, this is you know, this is the nothing fancy podcast. And I love I it. Yeah. Sort of joke because everyone that I have um, that comes on is fancy to me, um, <laughs> but is also really human and yes. laugh at themselves. And oh yes, and you know what I mean. And like most of the people that I try to to have on have done their work. They know yes, and, yes, um, and that 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 takes on lots of meaning, right? But um, it does. but I'm really funny about that. Those are the people in my life that I'm crazy attracted to. And Ditto, yeah. so it's no mistake that we have found one another. But I want you to tell everyone about yourself, like sort okay. of. And will you start with your professional fanciness? My professional fanciness. Well, yes. I don't know. So one thing I don't know about your cast is if you've told folks my name and who I am and all of that, or do I need to do that? No, you, you just, you go. I want okay. you to go and I well, want you to do it. And then I'll do like an intro when we get off the phone and stuff like that. But, but okay. for now you just, you take, you take the reins. Awesome. No worries. Well, uh, like you said, we, you and I met on Facebook and on Facebook, I'm Kimberly McSmith, but Mm -hmm. in real life, I'm Kimberly McLaughlin Smith and my alter ego is on the radio and she has been since 1993. And I do consider us two people. She's known as the (laughs) night nurse, night nurse, regular redemption radio. And uh, yeah, so I am a radio personality and have been since 1993, play reggae music. And it's, it's, Entertainment because I also kind of inform folks about the artists that I play and a lot of the Caribbean culture and things like that. And that is a privilege that I get to live out because mm-hmm. I think everyone in, if we had our drathers, if we had our choice, you know, we want to have an outlet to escape, you know, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call it escape real life sometimes. And so in my yeah. real life, my, my work is, um, I, it's similar, but it's a little bit more weighted. And so I am the diversity and inclusion learning development specialist at UNCW at our university here in yeah. town. And I think both of those jobs, I think those jobs are similar in that I get to work with an array of folks from all kinds of backgrounds and I try to help them by way of what I know uh, to get closer and more comfortable with each other through, through music or, or diversity and inclusion knowledge. Yeah. So, 
so I mean, both of those things, like you know, when we were talking the other day in preparation, yeah, like, oh, we got to talk about reggae redemption. We have to talk. Yes, about that. yes. I feel as passionately about the diversity and inclusion piece. So how yes. Do you, so we're going to get to the reggae part, okay? Oh, absolutely. But, but you want to know my diversity about, journey? Yeah. Yeah. How did you get there? How did you get to become like? How did you become a diversity and inclusion person? So it's really interesting because it is not what my plan was in school Mm -hmm. at all. I was going to be a writer. I was going to be a journalist. And I've done that. I have done Mm -hmm. that because my very first job here in Wilmington, I came to Wilmington in 93. Um, My very first job in Wilmington was I was a writer for the Wilmington Journal newspaper, which is the black owned, uh, historic black owned newspaper here in town. And before that, I had written for the Durham Herald because I went to North Carolina Central in Durham. And so I was a writer and I did do that. And that was my passion. When I moved to Wilmington, um, I was moving with my husband at the time who had a job and we had to give a really quick answer. We had done a lot of vacationing in Wilmington and we never thought we would be able to live in Wilmington. And all of a Mm -hmm. sudden he saw this job in the area and he got it and they needed a really quick turnaround and we had to move in a couple of weeks and I didn't have a job and didn't have a plan. And so we just kind of up and moved here and I had no job in sight and his job was, you know, thankfully, you know, we, we were sustained by that and I had time, but very shortly after I got here, I started looking. And um, one of the things, again, one of the things that the first thing that I found was the Wilmington journal newspaper, because I had that background. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second thing I learned was that at the time, my beloved reggae was not on the air. And so I happened into um, a couple of radio stations that really turned me down. And there's a whole story there, but the local NPR affiliate uh, WHQR picked it right up and they, and they said, whoa, we can teach you how to do it and we'll train you. The only thing Kimberly is most of our folks do this for passion and not pay. And so at the time I was in the <laughs> position, I was in the position to do it. And, and so I learned the craft and I was horrible at it for the really, a really long time. But I met a colleague at uh, WHQR and she was a diversity resource teacher in the public school system. And she saw what my music was about and she listened to my show and she knew that I was edutaining people and that it was culturally driven. Mm -hmm. So she was drawn to me and we just started having conversations over tea, over dinner and things like that. And she was another job opportunity that I had. She pulled me into the public school system with her and um, I kind of got a, a, a ground up trial by fire training with her in terms of how to work with young people, which happened to develop itself into my, I had no idea I had a passion for the work. And a couple of years into that, I found a job um, with our local YWCA as their diversity. Um, Actually, it was their, what is that role that I played? It was the give me a second because I've had many a job this was the (laughs) role of the director I want to say social justice I can't even remember the title but I saw it in the paper and I said to my husband at the time this is my job I'm gonna go get it and I was working with young people in the public school system through the YWCA and sure enough I got that job and that job led in 
my getting more experience and um, wound me up at UNCW. I mean, it was not part of my plan and and the universe's plan for me mm-hmm. because it fits and and I I feel like it it fits on me beautifully and I wear it beautifully and it it feeds my spirit to be able to do it. It's a privilege. No, it it is a privilege and and I will say that as someone who has reached out to you before, um, in that role, I just respect what you do so much um because you're such a good educator oh thank you Lisa well you know I mean without going into the details of it because that's just not what we're here to do but I mean I I think that (laughs) I had had an experience where I had really you know I, I I had recognized my privilege one day in the classroom and had said something that that was insensitive. It was not my intention to be insensitive, um, which made it even harder for me. Um, yes. And, and, you know, it had been insensitive and, and, this, and the student had taken it um, the way that, that they should have. I mean, you know, the way that I said, yes. what I said was, was not okay. And, um, and I had recognized that privilege and, and I had spent sort of like a good 24 hours going, okay, Lisa, you're human. You know, you, you weren't intending to do it, but you did it. And so how do we practice yes. not doing that again? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do we? Sort of like um, called you and you were so incredibly kind yes. to me. Oh, and my gosh. So gracious I remember to it. me. And you created such a sp- safe space for me to learn. I just oh my felt gosh. so like this is gonna yeah. sound dramatic, but I felt very held in that space. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that for someone who who does this for a living is the highest form of compliment. Yeah. It honestly is. And I don't say that to be dramatic. I say that in, in absolute sincerity because I, before I was a practitioner of diversity and inclusion and equity work, which really to me is more about inclusion. I think people think they know what diversity work is. Mm-hmm. And so it turns folks off. So I like to use the word inclusivity or inclusion more mm-hmm. because folks really they'll lean into that more and and it's something that everybody really wants everybody wants to be included and so I always say Lisa that uh, you can do this work with a heart or with a hammer Mm. and I choose it I choose the heart and when you called me first of all the amount of trust that people have to have in a person and their work to even make that kind of call Mm. I mean considering you and I we didn't really have a huge history and you still trusted my expertise and the person that you thought that I Mm -hmm. was to bring that so I have to honor that and so for you to have received the information in the way that I had I truly meant for it to be delivered that means that I did my job and that I also maintain the integrity of what I think we have now, which is a friendship. Yes. I, I think that is amazing. So thank you oh, no, thank for letting you. me know that it was effective. No, it thank really you. was. And it just, I think that it, um, you know, I think that for me, like the vulnerability that is required, I think on both sides of that, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. Because oh yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I thought, gosh, Kimberly might she might just be like, What are you doing? What is wrong with you? Like, you know, and so um but you didn't. You were just like, Oh yeah. And I mean, I just I left that conversation and I remember saying to myself, 
how long are you going to hold yourself hostage over this mistake? You know what I mean? Like it was a mistake. You made amends. You did what you can do. How long are you going to hold yourself hostage over it? And after you and I talked, I was like, I'm done. I'm good. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I can let it go now and um, work very, very hard. And I was so, I have been so incredibly mindful since the time that you and I talked, um, you know, to continue my quest to create safe spaces for people to talk about hard things. Um, which is so important to me, but you just modeled that very well. So thank you. As you sort of like look at Wilmington and you sort of see like from your perspective, um, where do you think we have the most work to do from a kind of inclusion perspective? Oh, that's a beautiful question. And I am, wow, it's, it's, it's an honorable question too and a privileged question because everyone doesn't get <laughs> to answer these kinds of questions because people don't even know how to articulate things as well as you do. So thank you for asking that question. And I think the answer might surprise people. One of the things, one of the skills that I try to teach when I'm working with groups at UNCW or whether I'm consulting, because I do that all over the country as well, you. you know, outside of the university. So folks think oftentimes that hearing and listening are the same function and they aren't. And so that to me is at the core of what the, the of where the work lies with Wilmington and any place else. If if you have ears that will hear and you don't have a deficit, you know, in terms of like if you wear glasses, you of course you have a sight deficit. And if you have hearing deficits, then you need some sort of aid. So if you have ears that without a, without a deficit, then surely you can hear. But are you listening to what people mm -hmm. are saying? Because there's an intentionality behind listening that hearing does not require. You know, you're going to hear but are you listening? And so having people have the ability to hear things that may make them feel ways that they don't want to feel is mm -hmm. really at the core of what my work is about anywhere that I am. And I think that that would be a great place to start with Wilmington because there is ugly history as it relates to identities everywhere in the world, let alone Wilmington. And, you know, we've got an interesting racial history. And so part of my work in diversity is race, but that's not all of the work that I yeah, do. That's right. You know, mm -hmm. race mm -hmm. is just one component of our identities. We are multifaceted as human beings, but somehow the exterior pieces of our identities are where people get stuck. But I try to just work with folks on listening and hearing each other and, and allowing people to speak without having their triggers flipped so easily. You know, oh. that's the hard work. That's the hard work. It is That's the hard work. When you think about that, because you know, you you and I, we 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 mutually read each other's work. So you know, I talk about yes. that a lot. You know, about that sort of the things that I think matter when it comes to not letting your switch get flipped. What what kind of things do you teach in terms of? Oh wow, my flip my switch just got flipped. Yes, and I'm feeling all these ways about what I've just heard. Do yes. you have some strategies? I do. 
I do because I, one of the things that I think works and I know I read you daily and I, and you don't articulate it the way that I will, but Mm -hmm. I think that you are, you soul search a lot and you, you turn the mirror on yourself a lot. Mm -hmm. And that is such an empowering thing. People somehow have it turned around that if they turn inward and look at what's going on inside of themselves, then there's blame they're waiting for them. There is light and there's awareness and insight inside of you. And so when your triggers are flipped in any situation, whether it is in a personal battle or if it's in a conversation about diversity and inclusion, you want to look inside and go, yeah, I'm feeling this, but why? Why am I, why am I feeling this? Where does my work lie? Mm. Because we have no control over other people. That is one of the first notions that I like to, with people, with people who want to go deeply with, with the work that I do, I do a lot of Mm -hmm. one-on-one coaching with leaders and things like that. That is one of the places that I start. Are you willing to look within? And are you willing to find where that trigger is planted, how it got planted, and your, develop a commitment to uprooting it so that it doesn't rule you? You can't control other people, but you have ultimate control over yourself. And that is the hardest person in any room to control. I ask people that in session after session. When you are in a difficult negotiation who in the in the room is the hardest person to control? Now, half the room will say myself. Other people will say, well, it depends on who's in the room. No, <laughs> right? right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, of course. Well, it's yeah. you. Not the blame yeah. is you, but the insight is you and the 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 mirror is you because you have to see you every day and the harder work is ourselves and i my wager is that we don't want to do that work we'd much rather look at other people and point the finger at other people because it's hard to change your ways and to commit to yourself mm-hmm. and say these mm-hmm. are the things in me that i want to address and that i can address and control so that i can have engagements versus allowing people to lead me by way of my triggers, because there's a powerlessness in that too that I like to drive yes. people towards. Once you do that, you've given your power and your energy to folks who may not even know that they're energy vampires. They are just used to yes. functioning in the world the way that they do. You know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? So checking oh in gosh. with yourself is my advice, first of all. It always is. I start with self. Yes. And I think that's, you know, I mean, I think that's been such a powerful, um, you know, we, we didn't really talk about this the other day, but I think that has been something that um, for better or worse, I've sort of been committed to um, for a really, really long time. Like probably, um, you know, even as a teenager, is this just like absolute curiosity about yes. myself? Yes. Um, and why I do the things I do and what sort of, um, I don't know, like what sort of either gets me going in a positive way or in a negative way and, and what yes. makes me insecure and what makes me compare myself to other people. I mean, like just all of those things, you know. Um, but one thing you and I talked about the other day, and I, and I loved this commonality and, and this word was, you know, just sort of the empath in me sees the empath in you. Oh, yes. You know. And so, you know, you sort of define yourself as an empath. Tell me what you mean. 
By that, I mean, and, and you know, and I, I remember our conversation the other day and I talked to you about it being double edged because mm-hmm. my definition and I know what the formal definition, it means you have a connectivity to other people and what they are going through in in moments that a lot of people can be in that same moment and hear someone's, you know, dilemma, someone's cry, someone's plea, someone's plight. A lot of people can be in the midst of folks in those instances and hear it. And they can even hold it and they can even advise and guide people in those moments. But an empath um, in, from from where I sit and everything that I've studied and read about it, because I've dug deeply inside myself and in other folks information and teachings about this, because I've needed I have needed to understand why I do what I do. I'm not one of the folks who can guide and advise and keep my distance. I tend to kind of get Mm. a little closer than I probably should. And most of the time it is involuntary. I find myself (laughs) just kind of in it. You know what I'm saying with people? I'm Uh in it. I'm Uh feeling it with you. I'm, you know, I, I have a vested interest in your being all right. You know, and and it doesn't have and it doesn't end with my guidance or my advice. It ends with, are you feeling better? Because when you feel better about it, I can feel better about it for you. So I think that I can get overly invested and I can get invested too quickly as an empath. And so we talked about the other word that I know I've done work on and I continue (laughs) to talk about that. You were like, we got to talk about boundaries, Kimberly. Yes. <laughs> Talk to me about boundaries, right? So, no. what do you mean by it? That tell so because oh. I'd love to piggyback. I, I I would. Okay, so so for me, I mean, you know, one of the things, um, you know, you and I both talked about our love for Brene. Yes, Brene, Brene Brown. Brown. Yes. Um, I mean, she's just she's just kind of my favorite, and and you know, she's done a lot of work on vulnerability and boundaries and all of that. And one of the things that her research tells us is that the most compassionate people in the world, the people, I mean, you know, the people that just um, are compassionate and nurturing and empathic, they have the best boundaries. They really know who they are. They know what's okay and what's not okay. Yes. And they rest. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. now, my people, you know, a lot of times, and I say this periodically when I write, but like, you know, they stay in their own lane. No. And I love that. You mean, and you mean um, your, so the folks who follow your, your, your writings, is that what you're saying? No, or- no, I'm sorry. You're talking about impact. You know, that that people with really good boundaries and 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 definitely, you know, like like you said, the impact thing can be double-edged, right? I mean, it can be like it's such a great gift to have. And I believe that is like a spiritual gift to have that. Me too. Um, but I do believe that it can be um it can we can give too much. Yes. Um, we cannot know where I end and you begin. Oh yes. Oh yes. Right? Yes. And um 
and we can we can sometimes get out of our lane and into someone else's lane <laughs> and we're trying to do the work for them that yes. only they can do for themselves that has been my 2020 journey and promise to myself <laughs> to kind of whittle that down and get a real good fix on exactly where I belong and where I don't you know I I think some people call it and I don't even want to think about it really being that because I don't I don't think it's that extreme but I think folks might call some of this a savior complex of sorts I don't know you know because uh, you think you've got the shoulders of the rock of Gibraltar and you can bear it all and mm-hmm. people don't have to be in it alone and things like that there's there's got to be something in that when you allow it to, to bleed over and go into that. There's got to be a payoff for you. And so that's another opportunity for me to check in with myself. So when I tell you, I mean, I, I'm very serious about getting Kimberly aligned with where Kimberly really should be. Because when you do that kind of work, and I love the way that you prefaced and framed our conversation earlier, when you said you have had people on your broadcast who have done the work. Mm-hmm. When you do mm-hmm. the work, folks need to know what you mean by that. And I'm going to, I'm going to say what I think you mean and please uh, yes. clean it up some, if you will. Um, no, go do, for it. Doing the work of self. It, for me, I've been intensively doing it and intentionally doing it for the past three years. I could say five, but I would say passionately and hardcore in terms of what Oprah Winfrey calls the ugly cry because there is weeping and moaning and gnashing of teeth involved in this work when you go inside yourself. That is, I believe, why we see so many people acting out and really doing things with their energy and with themselves that are counterproductive for them and the people around them. It's because it's harder to do the work on you and it's painful, Mm -hmm. but it is so rewarding. It, it honestly is. It opens doors. It opens your eyes. It, it lifts weight off of you. It's, there's a payoff in the pain, if that makes sense. That's what I feel. You know, and and I love that. I think that one of the things that I think has made me a very successful social worker is that in doing all of that work and being able to look at the crazy ugly, Yes. you know what I mean? Because I think people have a tendency, you know, to go, oh, I mean, to, to look at other people and go, oh, they've got it all together. Oh, they're a big mess. <laughs> yeah. And I say to my students almost, particularly the juniors that I teach, yes. I will say to them, I'll say the thing that's made me the most successful is learning that there is not a client that I have ever had that has ever struggled with anything that I didn't have more in common with yes. than not. Yes. It doesn't matter what their story is. Yes. I see me in them. I see the struggle. I see the human. And I see the, the desire to, you know, to fix it, even if it's not fixing it in a productive way. Does, does that make sense? It makes you know total I mean? so sense. Drugs, 
or alcohol or it's, you know, relationships and toxicity and or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But I have never stood in front of another human being and not been able to see myself. That is perfection. What you just said takes me to a very, it's a natural progression that we are having in terms of this conversation um, because you keep taking me to places that I can address and pull something out from. So when, it, when you do the work that I do, particularly the way that I do diversity and inclusion work, folks really do kind of think that you have it all figured out. And I tell people the way that I know the work that I know, and I know that I know what I know, is because I've made mistakes in terms of diversity and inclusion. I too have struggled with every single thought, with every single ism, with every single moment where you go, I, I thought that thought. Oh, wow, that came out of my mouth. I mean, mm-hmm. I would be less than authentic. And that's just something I'm not willing to be. That if I didn't mm-hmm. say that I have not struggled with everything that I teach to. That's what makes me great at what I do because I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've done that. Girl, I have got all the t-shirts from it. So I, me too. You and I, I am serious, man. I've, I'm so fallible. I'm so fallible. I am human yes. first, you know? Human first. Yes, yes. And, and and so Kimberly, that's the and that's the sort of beauty I think of it is that I have had people say to me, sometimes it can sound like you're being self-deprecating. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not being self-deprecating. Like I know that that's if that's how it comes across, that's I'm curious about that. Yes. Um, but what I want people to know is that um being a therapist does not make you have it all <laughs> No. Being a diversity inclusion specialist, specialist does not no. mean you don't. No, I, you know what I'm saying. No, like, like we put, we tend to project these ideas onto people. And what I want people to know is exactly what you just said. I'm human first, and if I can meet you at human, yes, yes, uh, we're gonna have a really good time. Yes, but if I've got to meet you with your mask on, yes, or if I need to put a mask on to meet you, then we're probably gonna be, we're gonna, it's gonna get yucky. It is because no one's coming to the table as they are, you know, That's right. as they are. And, mm-hmm. and that and the mask in the times in which we are living right now, that's an interesting use of words mask. And I I love talking about the masks when we're not talking about COVID-19, the masks that we <laughs> all wear, you know, the mask that you're talking about, mm-hmm. that if you're not conscious, you will put that thing on every day before you set foot out of your house in order to hide the flaws mm-hmm. and the things that you think people can't see. I have learned over time that people see your stuff no matter where you try to tuck and hide it. It's going to manifest and it's going to show, which is why the work that you and I keep talking about, this self-excavation, that's what I call it. You're digging up. Mm-hmm. You're digging up from the bottom, right? So that's why the work yeah. is important because it's going to show and tell on you at some point if you don't do the work. Oh, I like that. That's a that's a quote there, Miss Kimberly. <laughs> it's going to show and tell on you. It is. It's going to. Ha- it's happened to oh, me. I used to love show and tell, but I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It is going to show and tell on you. And it's either going to show and tell. And, you know, I think sometimes the show and tell is internal. Oh, yes. And sometimes the show and tell is external. You know what I mean? Like Preach. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it can look like razzle. And this is my joke. This is one of my jokes. And when I'm doing speaking events, I usually talk about, you know, 
I have this part of myself that loves to wear a top hat and, yes. and do jazz hands and kicks and just razzle dazzle people. Yes. Like, and she's good at she's it. She's amazing, right? But but it's exhausting. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's exhausting. And and I have learned that when she wants to come out and play to to talk about like having some self talk and be like, I know girl, but you okay. Yeah, you're gonna be all right. We don't you need really to talk are. about pain today. You know, and okay. Lisa, you mentioned vulnerability and we kind of skirted it, but I want to, I yeah. want to say, I think that it is a, it is such a powerful piece and Brene Brown's work speaks to the power in it. And, and when she talks about, I, I, one of her phrases that I love and I use all the time is she, she said when she embarked on the work of researching vulnerability and shame, it was like, it became a street fight for her because nobody goes into yes. that voluntarily. Right. Mm -mm. And I just think it's it's important that people look at her work and look inside and see the power in vulnerability. It takes strength to show up. It just does. To yes, show up for real, to show up with your flaws and all, warts and all. That's hard. And it's a practice every day, very much like sobriety. You know, it's, it's not ever yes. going to end. You, you, it's a constant struggle. You will all, we will all always struggle to show up and be for real. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Brene. I, I don't, do you know Glennon Doyle? No. Have you ever heard any? No. Her? Okay. You would, you would really like her. She's a, she's a, well, really, I'm writing that really down. Interesting author and writer. Yeah. You got to write her down. Um, I'll Please do. But Glennon, she talks about, you know, like along with Brene with the vulnerability, it's like first the pain, then the rise. Yes. If we are not, if we keep trying to, to numb the pain and pretend it doesn't exist and make it go away whether that's a lack of worthiness or a lack of um, self-acceptance or self-love or self-compassion, like whatever it is that's kind of keeping us from, from diving into the pain, it's preventing us from being able to rise. It does. And I just love that. You know, she, she says this first, the pain, then the rising. And I think about that whenever I'm feeling that vulnerability hollow in my brain, in my, in my yes. chest, you know, to just remember the only way out is through. Get in there and do the work. I think that what you said is is something I want people to hear what you said whenever I and anything that you say after I is important because, Lisa, I know how you write and I know your I know your journey and I know where you're trying to help other people take themselves. And it is so important that people realize that your work continues. So you are with them in it mm -hmm. you know you're with them in it and I do that with my work in diversity and inclusion I am in it with you I learn as well as I teach every single time I, I think most good educators great educators do learn as they teach do you not oh I do and you know I did a I did a really cool talk um last year in California and it was you know my original topic and we we did change it we changed the title but you know why the best teachers are not don't consider themselves experts. right you yes. know what I mean like I want to be right there learning beside you I don't want to be up higher than someone yes you know what I mean I just want us to all be um like I'm there to facilitate I'm there to guide but I don't need I mean, my students teach me all yes. the time and I will tell you the best, the best um, teachers I've ever had were my clients yes. um, that I worked with. And we, 
I mean, they, it was the parallel process all the time. Well, and we even talked about, you know, in the, in our next conversation, because I know this one is going to wind down soon, but we <laughs> will talk about what we talked about with our kids because kids teach you, we have them and we you know we're the grownups and we're the parents, but I, I learned from my kids and you, you've said the same thing, you know, there's always something. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, tell us about like, just so that, cause you and I, I think we could talk. Of course. And so nobody wants to listen. Okay. To us talk. <laughs> just you and I want to listen to us. Talk about yes. Um, but tell us about. So my family, well, first of all, my, I consider my reasons for breathing, like most moms I are my kids. And so they are, my kids are mm-hmm. 30 and 20. And so when I had my my daughter, I was the young Kimberly, and I was 24 years old, and um, I was not the mom that I was 10 years almost later with my my son, Otiano. So my daughter is Kimberlyn, and my son is Otiano, and um, thank you. They are the lights of my life, and again, some of, uh, well, two of my greatest teachers, and I can tell you that my evolution and my and the revolution of of me uh, happened by way of those relationships more than any other. I will tell you that my original family, I was I'm an only child. And so I think I feel okay. kind of I feel triumphant as an only child because Though folks like to tell us that we can be self-centered, I have always been consumed with helping other people feel better. So I feel a little vindication for the only children of the world (laughs) in being who I am, you know? And I am that person who um, takes on friends as family because I don't have siblings, you know? And so some of my friends really have been like my brothers or my sisters and things like that. I grew up in a house with an African-American mom and an African dad. And a lot of who I am cross-culturally is based on those exposures, which I'm sure is a whole nother conversation. But I've just really had the privilege of having freedom a lot to think and and to grow. I've never been guided in terms of, you know, how to think and, and, and who to be. I mean, parents can be imposing with what their dreams are. And I had some of that because that's what parents do, of mm-hmm. course. But in terms of who I have become, there's just been so much autonomy that um, whatever this is, is who I mean to be. And I think that's the greatest gift that we can be given. I've tried to give it to my kids against some of my own, you know, wants and desires for them, right? We <laughs> talked about that too. Right. But yes. yeah, um, I am a person still growing and, and becoming. That's one of my favorite phrases now. I'm still becoming. Same. You Same. too? Yeah. 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 Oh gosh, yes. I mean, just you know, like, and I hope I'm all. I hope I'm. I'm always. Yes. Um. I don't want to. I don't. You know. I always. We all. We joke at my house. Um. We're just sort of a bunch of late bloomers, and um. I. I hope that I get to continue becoming until it's time to go home. Yeah. You oh. Know? Like Ooh. it's just for me. That's. That's. That's just. Um. When because I think that that I will. Um. I think that's just, that's my journey. Yeah. 
is to just keep unfolding new layers. Until it's time to go home. Now, you just said a word right there. So that sad. right there just oh, no. touched me. And I'll tell you really quickly, my, my, my grandmother passed away on Easter Sunday and she was a core, a core of my, of my becoming. Um, and I can tell you that mm-hmm. having had this woman for a grandmother and ha- and so many folks my age in my fifties, you know, don't have grandparents. And so I was blessed to even have her for in my life as long as I did. Mm-hmm. But I, I will tell you that every bit of what she could give me and leave me with, she did. And so there's nothing left unsaid and I can look back and into who I am and who I am still becoming and see the very best pieces of her. And so I just, I appreciate you asking me about my family because I definitely wanted to add her into that. Grandma Frances was a core and a center in my life for sure. Oh gosh. And I bet you made her so Well, that's what folks say. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and and (laughs) go with that. I I am. Um, I did a lot. Um, in, in spite of a lot, you know, and, and she did too. What a triumphant lady. She yeah. taught me to be that and resilient as well. Oh, there's our word. That's a yes, word, it's right? hard to do, but it's, so, it's a beautiful word. Yeah. It is. So, okay. So we're, we're, of course, we're like at about yes. three minutes. So I want us to start like wrapping up as much as I want to talk to you about. I know. Together. Me too, Lisa. Um. I know. So just really quick, this is like one more question and then we're going to go into just some some silly questions, but what would you say? I mean, you kind of talked about, you know, kids teaching us so much. I mean, you've talked about, you know, a little bit about family, but what would you say your children have taught you? Um, Like what's the, I will tell you for sure. And I know it is patience. Um, I am, I'm, mm. I am very self-deprecating. Um, I tell you that. And mm. uh, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I cop to them. I own them. I am not the most patient person mm-hmm. by nature, but kids will teach you that. Um, my daughter taught it to me by way of just being so easy to, to, you know, to, to parent and um, trying to read who she was instead of, you know, her, my, well, and, and on the other side of that, I have my son who has not been easy to manage. He's been a very different child. And so (laughs) I learned patience with my daughter, who's not the most verbal and, and really, not forthcoming with a lot of where she is, I would have to kind of dig things out of where she was, you know, where she was. And once I started digging, then of course the avalanche would happen and we could work on things. You know, so just de- developing a patience with her being a slower burn and someone who opened up kind of like a flower over time, you know, and, and letting me uh-huh. in. And my son has taught me that men are wired in ways that I never knew until I had a son. And a lot of what I did not understand yes. about the men who have, I've, you know, encountered in my life, my son watching him grow up for the past 20 years has taught me about male wiring. And I know that it varies and, you know, that men are diverse, as diverse as any other uh, creature on earth, but there are just some dynamics that I've learned from raising a son and patience in learning to raise my son that really have informed me about the male experience. And so, yeah, patience in, in, de- in human development. Patience. Yeah. Patience with human development is what they have yes. taught me the most uh, about. 
Yeah. I love it. Yes, because sometimes I think we want it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the understanding now, definitely. I want to understand this now. Well, you may not understand it for years, you know. Patience, Kimberly. Patience. Yes. Patience. Okay. So... So as we as we flip, the one thing that we have to talk about really, I mean, we don't have a lot of time, so we yes, have we to will. have another conversation. But mm. reggae. Now you're doing your you're doing your um radio Yes, and, and I'm doing it from home. And see if I've got this. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But typically, don't you do something on Carolina Beach? Well, now that was a live concert series that I worked with for many years at the Lazy Pirate. But my uh, last year in 2019, in January of 2019, the actual creator of that series, Danny Swenson, who was the entertainment director at the Lazy Pirate for years, he passed away last January. And so he had invited me into that in the first month or so when he started it about well getting close to 10 years ago and we partnered in that and in his passing um the end of our legacy together kind of it happened and and I wanted him to kind of take that legacy Mm -hmm. with him it was an unexpected passing and last year I stayed on because we did not expect him not to be there and so we wanted the reggae community to feel like you said way earlier held and and embraced and so I stayed for that last season so I'm not with that entity anymore but my radio show that has been on since 1993 now airs for the past 11 going on 12 years on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. until noon on Coastal Carolina's Modern Rock 98.7. And people listen from all over the world. It's WRMR, Coastal uh, Coastal Carolina's Modern Rock 98.7. And it's Reggae Redemption. And it's one of the great loves of my life. It's awesome. I mean, that is just awesome. And I just hope that everyone will tune in. I hope they will. And get to hear the love. I also have really quickly, if you can, if you can let me, I also go live after the show now because of COVID-19 and having to connect and wanting to connect more with folks. And so I do a Facebook live on my Facebook page for the show, which is Night Nurse Reggae Redemption Radio on Facebook. So right at noon, I go live on Facebook and I talk about the show and sometimes I interview um, artists and things like that. So, yeah. Any any opportunity to connect oh, with my reggae folks, I love to do it. You are you're the coolest. You're just the coolest. All right. So, really quick questions. Um, what is saving? What's your life saving right my now? life right now is. Yeah, what is just giving one? Um, my son and I are are here. My son is still home, so having extra time okay. with him and having to negotiate and navigate each other, having to, because, you know, corralling a young person in these times mm-hmm. is really interesting. And so it's teaching us how to mm-hmm. coexist differently, you know? So the opportunity to spend this extra time with this child, this man child, because he's a grown up in 20, you know, really is, <laughs> is amazing. That's yeah. giving me life right now. And also I'm going to be honest and tell you that I am a natural born. People think because I'm always in front of people that I'm this massive extrovert. I am an introvert to my uh-huh. soul. So what's giving me life right now is yeah. not having to have an excuse <laughs> to be underground. You know, I've got, 
I'm kind of like, love, this is my own personal heaven. And I want to have sympathy, though, and empathy rather more so for the extroverts, because I know a lot of them are not okay. But your girl is okay. I'm all right. (laughs) Understood. What are you missing about? I'm missing live music. I'm missing live music a lot, uh-huh. live music. And more than anything in this world, I am missing time with my family outside this house because when my grandmother passed away on Easter, I could not be there. I could not go to my mom and my dad. I couldn't go to my grandma. I need to see my family. So I am missing that greatly. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. What, what are you listening? Like what, what's your favorite? What's right your favorite? now or just in general? Okay. Yeah. Well, what either. So uh, a favorite song, you know, I don't have a favorite song per se, but I know that um, one of my favorite reggae artists passed away recently in March. And I've been listening a lot to that music. It's a reggae band called Israel Vibration. And the lead, well, he was the former lead singer because they had disbanded and everything. Um, And he was a solo artist, but his name was Apple Gabriel. And he had a very unique voice. And so I'm really hooked on him right now because of his passing. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to cheat a little. Can I have one more? Um, I'm nostalgic and and maybe even a little bit morbid. This is going to sound morbid because this person has passed on too. But um, I'm fanatical about Amy Winehouse. I'm a a fanatic about Amy Winehouse. Not just only, not that that inimitable voice, but her lyrics and how, and this young person who's part of that 27 club, you know, passed on at 27. uh, Mm -hmm. How in the Mm -hmm. world many times Mm -hmm. must she have been alive? You know, to know what she knew, to sing the way she sang, and to write Mm -hmm. how she wrote. Unbelievable. So I'm caught up in a bit of nostalgia, and some would say darkness, but I find light in folks, even in, in, you know, in the here and after, especially then. They leave us nuggets, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She was definitely a truth teller. Um, And an empath, I think, too. Vulnerable and deep. Right? Yeah, that young woman. Yes, yes. they didn't necessarily uh, no. know. Like and again, book by the um, cover, diversity, right? Again, you know, she was nothing like what yes. she appeared to be. Yes. Layered and so complex. And I guarantee you, so many people who don't know much about her would chalk her up as to how she passed, you know, and not how she lived. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we That's do that. Absolutely yeah. true. Okay. Right, last question. Last question. What is your sort of, um, okay, this is hard to come up with. On the fly, okay. But like favorite quote or saying, you know what I mean? Like something that like your, like the people that know and love you, like they would like, oh yes. Okay, I have one actually. And this is is pure okay. vanity, but because it's it's my own, it's something that I coined, you know, how ridiculously <laughs> obnoxiously me am I going to be? But um, it, it's kind of the cornerstone of my everything, my work, my life, everything. I always say that exposure to anything is everything and the lack thereof is the same. So, you know, oh, does that make sense? Oh my gosh, you don't even have to describe it. It's so 
It's so perfect. And it's so oh my gosh, I'm glad. So thank you. So no, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time today and sharing your wonderfulness with everyone. Thank you listening. for the invitation. I'm serious. I'm going to be walking on sunshine for a minute because just because you asked me, this feels like the prom, girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God, that's the best. I think you're fantastic. I can't me too. I'm serious. And and I love it. And I'm going to listen to both of um, the artists that you just described. I will have them on. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa, for everything. Yes. And I can't All wait right. to hear our talk when it airs. Yes. Yes. It's going to be wonderful. Okay. You so as well, my friend. Take Thank care. Bye-bye.